Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, Christ United. Um, I'm Jeff. I'm lead pastor here. So glad that you're here. Um, If God's been good to you, would you give him what he deserves right now? Yeah. I love that. Um, I was uh, blessed to go to a concert with a friend. Uh, it's such a gift to, to share in it. One of my favorite artists, um, and, uh, and it was Chris Tomlin. And, and at that concert, there was a message given um, by, by uh, Chris's pastor, who I, I also love, uh, pastor of City Church. And, uh, and I was so moved by that message. And I told my wife, I said, you know, that message, it was on worship. And it, it actually referred to seven Hebrew words that will change the way that you worship. And, and I told my wife, I said, you know what just blows my mind is all these years, I don't know why I never knew all that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, why did I not know that? I've been through seminary and I've been trained in that. And I said, I've got to bring that message to our people. It is so powerful. Um, and then after I began, I, I, I ordered the book that had been written about it and everything else. And after that process began, Um, And I started studying those seven Hebrew words. I realized why I had never heard it before. It's because it isn't in there. (laughs) And I'm going like, man, what is this? You know, out of the seven, there were two that had some validity to it. And then I'm, I'm going like, man, you know, the Hebrew words here in this book are actually printed backwards from the way Hebrew would read. And, and there are places where the wrong words identified at the wrong place. And I'm going like, Dude, I love you, but man, stay out of Hebrew. It's not your thing, you know? And, and so I was wondering, you know, what is it and why is it that yet this was still stirring in me, that what this awesome man had brought was so beautiful and so powerful, and why was God just putting it on my heart to share it? And it's for this reason. I just want you to understand that what he was bringing had so much fullness and so much power and so much beauty to it. I I was drawn to it. I wanted that to be heard by our congregation. But then as I, I, I fully applied everything that was being said, I was going like, yeah, but... There's some stuff being said that's not actually biblical that, that actually when I was previewing the sermon based on what had been shared, um, a gentleman in our, in our preview asked a question and he said, well, based on what you're saying, Jeff, do you really believe that if someone is, is not a hand lifter, for instance, in worship, that they are less spiritual? Does it mean that they love God less or that they're worshiping less if they do that? And honestly, based on what he had shared, I was, I was almost ready to say, well, yeah. And I'm going, but well, no. Here's the truth, guys. And I don't know if anybody has experienced this in your Christian life, but this was me. I, w- I went from one extreme to another in terms of my experience of worship whenever I was in, in growing up as a young man. And this had been my life. This had been my life in terms of worship. 
It was very clear, very clear boundaries and very clear, you know, that this was Christian life. Not just worship, but every aspect of Christian life was like this. It was really clear boundaries and this is what's right and this is what you do and you know what to do and when to do it. But there was nothing in it. There was no power. There was no depth. There was no experience of something greater than yourself. And I can remember this thing called the doxology that we were doing church, you know, it's like, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. <laughs> Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Right, right. Y'all remember that? By the amen, y'all, I was asleep. I was asleep, and, and that whole experience of, of what Worship was like, it represented everything else about what happened in the context of worship because it was like there was, there was really didn't feel as though there was a belief in the miraculous that people can actually be healed, that God still did that kind of thing, that there was a, a belief that the gifts of the Spirit were still active and that somebody could actually speak something prophetically into your life, that, that, that all this stuff, it seemed as though there was this belief system that was like what we, we believe it was true kind of is true but there's no fullness of God moving in that context and so that dry riverbed just kind of represented and I'm not talking about a particular church I'm talking about a whole way of worship in every church that I was a part of and then I experienced a church that was way on the other side of that and the church that was way on the other side of that was one that wasn't the dry riverbed and that kind of represented my life right there. That was just me, dry. You know what I'm saying? It was like it, there really wasn't any life to it. And we'd hear about stepping out of the boat and all that cool stuff that happened, but not getting it. But then this is what I experienced. I experienced this, what seemed like such a fullness and such a power and like God is moving so mightily, but it started getting outside the banks. Do you know what I'm saying? That now there was this fullness, but in the context of the fullness, it was overflowing and it was very destructive. And, and so here's what I found were these two extremes. And, and I didn't, I, I, I actually recalled from this one after a while. It was like, no, that isn't right. And so we got two positions, and if that's you right there, you know, are you the, are you the, 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 the dry riverbed and you got your little rowboat that's stuck in the mud, or are you here hanging on like, this is kind of nuts? Well, people on this side believe that that's real spirituality. You know what I'm saying? You're only really in Jesus if you've lost your mind, right? <laughs> you know? And so those, those extremes... On one side or the other, I just want to talk about that on this side, it's a strong adherence to, to biblical 
parameters and authority, and it's awesome because you're believing that the Bible is true, and you're holding, and you want to make sure that you aren't getting outside of the bounds, but, but you're not believing in the actual power of God moving. And so on this side, there's no prayer for healing unless it's God, please guide the hands of the surgeon. But on this side, it goes over the banks, and somebody says, well, if you're not healed, it means you don't have enough faith. If you're not healed, there's something wrong because it's always God's will that you be healed, which is a lie from hell. And it causes people to believe all kinds of things and messes people up in terrible ways. And so then you have on this side this absence of any passion in worship. And on the other side, you have things happening in the context and in the name of worship that don't bring glory to God, but bring actually dishonor to his name in the, in the name of worship. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And so you got these two, these two extremes, and I'm thinking, what God wants and I just want to tell you where we are and where we're going to be as a church because God is moving here, y'all. We have just been seeing healings and seeing God moving in powerful ways. He's moving in a mighty way among us and he's moving in worship. Our worship and, and our experience and our, and, our, and our expectation of God is going to be 100% within the truth of his word and with the guidance of his word and 100% believing in and open to and knowing the power of his Holy Spirit and believing that when God moves and when he moves in ways that are, are within the truth of his word, then we're doing good. Now, the reason that we have the truth of his word to guide us is not so that we keep the Holy Spirit in check. No, you can't do that, God. It's so that we don't do something stupid outside of God's will. So that I don't say something outside of God's will. The overflow in the banks is not the Holy Spirit getting out of control. It's people who call themselves Christians getting out of control and going so where God said not to go. Does everybody get the picture? And so when you look at the fullness of what God would desire to do, that, this picture right here is the most beautiful expression of it. You know what river that is? That's the Nile. Longest river in, in the world, I believe, is the Nile. And the Nile, look at it, man. You look at that picture and it's like, whoa, isn't that beautiful? It's deep and it's river and it flows and it's so cool. And in a way, it's so pristine right there. And you think about Psalm 23, you know, about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me to the side quiet waters. And there's sometimes when God is flowing and it's so deep and it's so beautiful the way he's moving in your heart and it causes you to say with, with Psalm 95, verse 6, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. You know what I'm saying? It's like, God, if you would just, I, I just want you to just let me rest in your presence and just let me be here. But it's not empty, right? It's deep and it's powerful and it's beautiful and it's reverent and it's quiet. It has all kinds of beautiful depth to it. And sometimes you just need to be in silence. You don't need the noise, right, around you. Other times when God is moving, still biblically, still within the parameters of what he says is how he will move, and we can trust that, are the kinds of experiences that aren't just placid and beautiful, and he's, and he's washing me through and, and like sailing, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm in that place. Sometimes it's more like this. That's the Nile, too. And when we were in Uganda and we got to see the parts of the Nile that are like the rapids, y'all, that's teeny compared to what we were seeing, man. It makes like class four rapids in the United States look like something at the kiddie pool, you know, and, 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 and it sends people in exciting adventures, you know what I'm saying? 
and carries you to places where it's like, whoa, I'm getting wet here, you know? This is exciting. Matter of fact, sometimes it has you on the edge of your seat, right? <laughs> Don't you love it? Don't you love it? I'm going like, that's the guy. And you know, I'm, that, God, God, sometimes you're going to take me to places and you're going to move in ways that are so exciting and so full of power, but the same depth, the same movement of God through that whole picture. How many people want the fullness of God? I want the fullness of God. I want him to be able to stir in me and move in me and move around me, and I want to see him powerfully at work, but I want it to always be within the parameters of his word and his truth. I don't ever want to step outside of that, and I don't want to be someplace where I'm saying something that isn't true. I'm doing something that isn't within the will of God. And so as we talk about that, I want to tell you that, you know, there are these seven Hebrew words, yada, and you say yada. Oh, come on, you better not, yada. <laughs> All right, I like that. That's awesome. That was so good. All right. Um, uh, um, Hillel. Awesome. Um, Zimer. Very good. Again, Toda. Yeah, you're doing real good. All right. Barach. Somebody almost got it. You got to act like you got popcorn in your throat. Barach. Barach. All right. All right. Um, how about Tehillah? Yeah. And then Shabach. More popcorn. Shabach. All right. All right, so, so those, those seven Hebrew words, we're studying through those seven Hebrew words, and, and we're saying, man, because this word has this particular meaning, then it's, we drew this conclusion about it, and I'm going like, no, no, actually, so in, in so many instances, we're not saying that, and, and so I was just troubled by it, and I said, what is it, God, are you trying to say? And he's saying, look, the problem is, and I just want to tell you as a church, the problem is if you can't just take your English Bible and read it and it makes sense, don't believe it. Just don't believe it. The reality is, is that what, what God has given us in his word, if you read it in its context, it just makes since he brings truth and that truth has enormous power for our lives and so some of the points that my precious brother was making he was made he made some points that honestly were in that category that I would say were outside the banks and could teach somebody something that actually isn't so but within the banks I was just saying man just go to his word just go to his word just say the same thing but say it through his word and, and don't 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 make it like it's something you have to know the original language especially when you don't really know it you know and, and let's, let's find out what God's word said. For instance, one of the things was um, he talked about a word, tehillah. And, and tehillah, he was saying, is a word that's talking about a, a song of praise. Um, and he said that it actually has the connotation of a new song, a spontaneous song, a song that's unrehearsed. And I thought, okay, that's great. I'll just research that and see if it's so. And it's like, no, it's not so. Tehillim is the name for all the Psalms, and Tehillah does not, it's almost never has the connotation of specifically a new or spontaneous or unrehearsed song. And so I can remember the experience because when I was in that, that form of worship that goes in that direction, there was a lot of emphasis on it, it needs to be something that's just, it's unrehearsed and unrhymed and it's, and it's spontaneous, and we would just all pray, or we'd pray in tongues at the same time, and we'd sing in tongues at the same time, or we would, we would make up songs at the same time, and it was cool, you know, but, but here's the thing is, 
is Tehillah is not a word that's referring just to a new song. It's referring to the, the beautiful songs of praise that God, 150 of them collected under the name Tehillim, which is the plural of Tehillah. And he's not saying a new song. As a matter of fact, you have to just really stretch it to get that to attach at least one time in the Psalms to the new song. But does the Bible teach about new songs? Yes. Six times in the book of Psalms, it's talked about new song. Psalm 98 verse 1 says, sing to the Lord a new song for he's done marvelous things. And, and then he gets to Psalm 149 and, and says the same thing. He says, sing to the Lord a new song. So six times in the Psalms, he does speak of a new song. Not every time the word Tehillah is used, but yes, he speaks of a new song. Why? How many people know that, that God is constantly doing new things? He's constantly moving in your life. There's constantly reason for you to be praising him and glorifying him and honoring him. There's so many reasons for you to be giving him praise. And those new songs, and don't you love it when the team here comes with a new song and you just feel something stir up within you and you're like, God, this is awesome. You know, I mean, I love this. But, but look, don't tell me that that means that old songs don't have power, that that's not what God desires to do within the old songs. Well, what the problem with an old song is when when it be, begins to get old to you. The Psalms are, are you know, you're looking at nearly 3,000 years of singing these Psalms and they have power. But when you let it get old, when you get dry, when you get stale, when you get to a place where you no longer appreciate him, then even a new song can become an old song. Do you agree? And so God's saying, what I desire, yes, I love a new song. I said it six times in the Psalms, sing a new one. I like that. But what I want for you is I want it to be new every morning because you remember what he said in the book of Lamentations. Oh, man, your mercies never fail. They're new every morning, right? They're new every morning. God, you're constantly doing good things for me, and I want to constantly have a new song. But, y'all, that new song can be that doxology, right? Yeah. I want you to just think about it. Could you right now, could you just right now in your heart, could you just think about his goodness to you today, the newness of his goodness towards you and could you right now in your heart say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And you know what amen means? It means so let it be. Amen. Can you get the picture? It's like, God, glory to your name. Glory to your name. I don't ever want to go to that place where in my heart it's become rote. I never want it to be dry. I never want to be in that place where I'm taking for granted his goodness. Do you get the picture? Amen. So God is saying, yes, I love a new song. Yes, I love a new song, and I love a spontaneous song. Man, when, when um, Brenna started leading in a spontaneous piece of that song, I was like going, oh, that was just beautiful. I mean, some of you had tears flowing down your eyes. It's, it's, yes, it's beautiful. And every time we praise him with songs old and new, it's beautiful in the heart of God when it comes from a fresh place in your heart. Amen to that? Amen. All right. Another thing that was shared was uh, toda. Toda is a word, that Hebrew word, he said, that means praising God for 
things not yet received. And I was going, that is awesome. Praising God for things not yet received. That's exactly what we do. We praise God for things not yet received. We praise him even before the good thing has happened because we're praising him for who he is. And if I praise him before good things happen, then I can celebrate that. But then I'm looking up the word and I'm going like, where is it? Where does this actually say this is praising God for things not yet received? And I'm going like, it's not saying it. That's the reason. I mean, yes, one time in 20, there might be a connotation of things not received. And I'm going like, dude, just go to his word. And in his word, he says exactly that. I want you to think of Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, again, the word's not used in this context. It's a different Hebrew word, but he says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Anybody ever been there? Who's, who's had your tears be your food day and night every now and then? You know what I'm saying? And you're in that place of, oh, God. He says, then he says this, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast on my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Amen. God, I'm going to praise you. Because when I begin to praise you for who you are, then I begin to get my eyes on you and off my stuff. And I start remembering your greatness. And as I remember your greatness, then all of a sudden I can say, I'm going to praise you all the more, right? David wrote this when he was in the desert of Judah, Psalm 63. This is when he's fled from Absalom. His son has taken over his kingdom, and he's in the desert most likely is when he wrote this. And he said this, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Think about that. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. God, I'm desiring you. And then he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands how many people want to how many people right here could be in a in a dry place and you just saying god there are things i need from you and i'm gonna praise you because of who you are right now and so you've got situations going on in your life and this is what my brother said and i want to tell you i just want to really affirm that what my brother said that night had so much power and so much beauty it's just watch out for the stuff that crosses the banks you know what i'm saying don't say something the Bible's not saying. Just say what it does say. But what it does say is this. It says, come on, guys. You've got reason to praise God while you're still in need of his moving. Who here has something going on in your life? Like, for instance, there's a relationship that really needs to be healed or there's a need that needs to be met or somebody you love is sick or there's something going on that, that right now you need something from him. You're at a place where you're saying, God, I need something from you and I need to trust you in the midst of what I'm going through right now. Is there anybody besides me that's in that spot? I want to ask you, could you do what he says in Psalm 63 verses 3 and 4? Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I'll praise you as long as I live. 
And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Would anybody just lift up your hands to God right now and just say, God, I'm going to trust you with what it is. I'm going to trust you with what it is. Would you just lift up your hand for whatever it is that you need from him right now? Would you just lift up your hands and say to him, oh, God, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I'll praise you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I will praise you and honor you and worship you. Amen to that, right? And my precious brother said something else that was so beautiful. He said, there's a word, yada, and and yada is is a word that means that you're you're lifting your hands. and, And that's true. The roots in that word have lifting hands associated with them. It's really, really beautiful. It's a beautiful truth. But the reality is, is that word yada is used many, many times in the Psalms when it's not talking about literally lifting your hands. And there was almost an implication that says, if you lift your hands, you're worshiping better than if you don't lift your hands. And the truth is, is that several of the Hebrew words for praise do imply this, this lifting of your hands. So it's good. He was telling truth there. But please don't make somebody feel like if I don't lift my hands that I'm not spiritual. Please don't make it sound as though, how many people are here from, if you came up in a hand-lifting church, lift your hand. All right. How many people were not from hand-lifting church, lift your hand. Whoa, check that out. Right. I remember the first time going, going to, to that hand-lifting church, right? Y'all can all remember what it's like. It's like, this is weird, you know. These people are weird. People are freaky, you know. Y'all, we've got, um, we've got, come on, um, oh, come on, what's the guy's name, the comedian? What's his name? Tim Hawkins. Tim, Tim's coming. If you haven't signed up, you need to sign up for Tim, all right? Tim talks about the fact, he says, if you're going to a hand-lifting church and you've never been in one before, he said, you don't feel like you got to go all the way, right, to start with. You know what I'm saying? He said, you can just keep your hands in your pockets. And he said, you start, you start with the arm wave. Right? And he said, after that, you take the first step. And the first step is, we have names for them all. He said, we have names for them all. He said, the first one is, carry the TV. <laughs> carry the TV. And he said, and then you go widescreen, widescreen TV. <laughs> right? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Dueling light bulbs. Dueling, <laughs> dueling light bulbs. <laughs> he said, you're going to get a little higher now. Hold my baby. <laughs> hold my baby, right? Got to hold my baby. And then you get up a little more. Mufasa. Mufasa, right? Got Mufasa. And then, then you got goalpost, right? Goalpost. And then heartburn. Heartburn, goalpost. Heartburn, goalpost. And, then, and there's one you can do with one hand, all right? There's a three-way combination. You can do the the pointer, the hatchet, and the schoolboy, right? You can do that, right? And then women like to do, wash the window. Right? They wash the window. Don't you love it? Now you already you're, you get, you got your hands up a little bit, right? So now you can go to, you ready? Village people, Rocky, touchdown. Right? Right? Here's the thing. I remember, y'all, I remember my first time being in a context where people were lifting their hands. And I did, just like my brother was sharing that night. I felt attracted to it and scared of it at the same time. You know what I'm saying? 
Does the Bible say that, you, that lifting your hands makes you more spiritual? No. But the reality is, is that, that truly within the Hebrew, there's this beautiful connection between the lifting of hands and praising. Do you know it's kind of a natural thing for us to do? To, when you see a goal scored, right? When you have something to celebrate, hands go up. It's just kind of a natural thing. So it's really cool. It's really beautiful to experience that. But how expressive does God desire us to be? He, he called attention to a word, Hallel, it's, it's, it's the, the word out of which hallelujah comes, but hallel, like right now if you're Jewish, we're at that time of the year where hallel is, uh, is the celebration, Psalms 113 through 118 are quoted in, in full, this, this great hallelujah. And that word actually, not only does it mean like to boast, to rave, to celebrate, to shine, it can even mean to be clamorously foolish. I can just like... God, you're awesome. I, I, how expressive can we get in terms of showing our praise to him, right? Three times in the Psalms, it mentions dancing, like, wow, you know, and that Hillel is used in Psalm 150 to say that we, we, we worship him with dancing, you know what I'm saying? And the same thing in Psalm 149, that we just are, we're psyched about what God is doing and we're free to dance and we're free to celebrate and we're free to worship and we can rejoice in him. We can even shout Psalm 100. And again, he was sharing about a Hebrew word that's, that means to like this, this holy roar. It's the barach and, and going, don't say that. That word that you're using is not saying what you're saying. That word's saying. But in the Psalms, the Psalms are full of it. Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. God, you just are so worthy of, your, of our praise. I don't want to imply that every time a Hebrew word is used that it means it's time for me to shout. But I do want to say the Bible says you ought to be free to celebrate me as loudly and as boldly and as joyfully as you ever celebrate anything in the whole world. Agree? And I want to tell you the, the loudness of your shout does not measure your spirituality. Have you ever been in a context where somebody's always got to shout louder than everybody else because it makes them more spiritual? I want you to notice that there was a shout in, in the book of uh, Joshua chapter 6 when the walls of Jericho fell because the people shouted. Y'all remember that? There was also a shout in the book of Judges, I mean in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 4 when the people of Israel who were not living holy and godly lives were shouting as the Ark of the Covenant was brought in and it led to a defeat where 30,000 of them were killed. Because it's not how much we demonstrate and how boldly we act or something about our spirituality that's connected with how boisterous we are. But God's saying, couldn't you let your heart just be free to rejoice in me as much as you rejoice in all the stuff that doesn't matter? 
Couldn't you? I want you to think about it. What has caused your heart to sing and celebrate and rejoice? What has brought you to that place? And for this, I want to tell you, I want to go back to that message. I want to tell you how grateful I am for my brother who brought that message. I want us to be extremely careful, guys. We want to stay within his word, okay? We want to stay within the truth of his word. We don't want to imply things the Bible does not imply. We don't want to say things the Bible does not say. But my brother was speaking truth. God wants us to be free to rejoice in him. God wants us to be free to lift our hands. He wants us to be free to shout with joy to the Lord for the good things he's done. And you do it. You worship and you praise and you celebrate other things. Come on. Set your heart free to celebrate the one thing, the one, the only one who's really worthy of all of our praise and all of our joy and all of our celebration. Forget everybody around you and just go nuts loving him sometime. I want you to watch this. I know that you may have experienced seeing a team win, but this team's win after 108 years of losing was a pretty big one. Can I set the context? <laughs> Somebody said boo. <laughs> I love it. Here's the thing. Here's the, you get the context. What were they celebrating? And, and I, love, I love my brother who shared this message. He said, I'm from Australia. He said, we, we have different kinds of ball there. He said, but let me just set the context for this. What happened is a man with a stick, a piece of wood, Somebody throws this leather ball toward him, and he swings at it, misses it most of the time, every now and then hits it, and when he hits it, everybody gets excited, right? And then he runs around and touches these leather bags and comes back and sits down for a very long time. <laughs> and when somebody does that enough and they do it more than the other team, it warrants that. And you and I celebrate the Son of the living God washing away our sins forever, rising from the dead and giving us eternal life. Can we stand up and give him some praise for what he's done? Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at Christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Christ United MB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.